if there's a potential for me to help another woman do something good and help them realize their dream, and then there's a potential for me to get a return, why wouldn't I? I'm Tamina, and I'm extending a heartfelt invitation to you as we join forces in reclaiming economic power for women in a world that is often structured against us. We'll dive into the minds of accomplished female leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs to equip you with the confidence and knowledge to build wealth for yourself and other women. So buckle up, get ready to learn, and be inspired to take action. Founder Wall Street survivor, investor Mrs. New York City 2019. As a wealth advisor, Mina Enin Black is on a quest to help women create life-changing generational wealth and diversify their investments. After an almost two-decade-long career as an award-winning financial advisor, she's the founder of the Rainmakers Collective, a private investment and peer membership organization for women. The Rainmakers Collective is an invite-only private investment community of women investors whose members are united in a desire to expand their wealth and legacy by considering traditional and non-traditional investments such as art, theater, film, collectibles, and established businesses to diversify their portfolios beyond the standard institutional vehicles usually open to them. Always on the cusp of innovation, she co-founded Women X Meta, a Web3 company that provides Web3 education for women and girls. Described as one of the top personal finance people to follow on Twitter, she has been featured in numerous publications, including the New York Times, Ebony, CNN Money, Yahoo Finance, Investment News, Investor Business Daily, The Grio, and many more. Welcome to the show, Mina. It's so good to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Dick. I'm excited for our conversation. Amazing. So you know that this podcast is all about helping women build wealth for themselves, but also for other women because we want to pay it forward to future generations, right? And because increasing women's visibility is absolutely critical when it comes to wealth building, I always start out by asking my guests this question first. Who is a woman you admire and why? Can be anyone. Gosh, that's a tough one. There are a number of women that I admire. Um, there are a number of women that I respect in different ways, whether they're helping other women build wealth, they're humanitarians, or their mission is to just uplift all women. So as far as women that I admire, they're goodness gracious, there is Amal Clooney with her humanitarian work, Angela Jolie with her humanitarian work, um, Michelle Obama with her mission to uplift not just all women, but all girls, and as well as a number of women in the VC space that I follow in their career. For example, Jean Sullivan, she is with Artview Capital, and it is a fund that is really focused on not just focused on women, but also focused on a new space, a new alternative investment space, which is cannabis. So there are a number of women that I followed over the past two decades that I consider to be beyond amazing because their mission is similar to my mission, which is literally uplifting all women. I love that. And what you're mentioning about there's so many women out there that you admire in different spaces. Um, I think it's just so powerful when women come together in service of one another, no matter in what context, right? I think growing up, we're always socialized into thinking that other women are our competition, just because a lot of the very male-dominated spaces, they're 
at least in the past, it's getting better, but there didn't seem to be always, you know, room for, for too many women. And I think that is slowly but surely changing. And there is so much inherent power in women coming together to participate in and listen to conversations about the shared experiences of of womanhood um and that's also one of the main reasons why i started this podcast because i wanted to give these incredible women like yourself the the space and the the visibility where we can talk about each other's work and and how we can continue to uplift women everywhere so thank you for everything no thank you for creating the space i'm um i will say i'm heartened to see the number of spaces that are being created that are encouraging and the fostering of relationships between women versus the narrative that we all must compete, that some of these opportunities are finite. And in my mind, I never see any of these opportunities as finite. Conversations should be open to all women. Um, There's a fantastic book called Half the Sky. And I am a firm believer that if women have the opportunities that are available and we are sharing these opportunities with each other, we can literally change the world and change the course of history absolutely couldn't agree more with that um let's take a step back because you have had a very long career in in the world of traditional finance and while i personally have never worked in finance many of my female friends and college classmates might have and you know the stories that they shared over over the last couple of years were absolutely horrifying um and i'm not necessarily referring to just the crazy hours and the lack of a work-life balance although that is a topic in and of itself what i'm talking about is the discrimination misogyny microaggressions and gaslighting women are used to experiencing in such a male-dominated environment you spent about seven years with Merrill Lynch, and you refer to yourself as a Wall Street survivor. What was that experience like as a Black woman? You know, I will say this. When I first became an advisor, I worked in a small office at one of the branches of Merrill, and within our branch was me and three older white gentlemen. At that time, I was a couple of years out of undergrad. And I remember my mentor, and he's still someone that I respect and admire to this day. One of the things that he pointed out to me, he went out of his way to actually find me a mentor. She wasn't another advisor, but she worked within the ecosystem of the wealth management division. And she was a black woman. And she had been literally another Wall Street survivor that had been around for 25 plus years. Um, he knew the importance of having someone like that for me to not only have conversations with, but also to look up to. Because he saw within the immediate vicinity, there were no other people that looked like me. And my counterparts, my colleagues, they were 20, 40 years my seniors. And some of the conversations that he and I had were literally around this great, this topic that obviously being young and figuring out my way in the industry, there were going to be moments whereby um, not everybody was going to take me seriously. And whether it was my colleagues, right, uh, my peers or even clients. I, um, when I first started my career, one of the challenges, my biggest hurdles was being so young and uh, trying to build my business at that time. Uh, you may, you're young, so you may not remember. <laughs> you probably do not know this, but at that time, the way that we built our book of business was my cold calling, i.e. picking up the phone and calling complete strangers. Now imagine being 24, 25 and have to call a 50, 60, 70 year old and say, Hey, by the way, I think you have millions of dollars. Can you give it to me so that I can manage it for you? And. 
the feedback <laughs> and the looks that them, I would get when they would come in and they would see it was me, this young black woman. Thankfully, my boss at that time and my mentor, he was an older gentleman that had been an older white gentleman that had been in industry for, at that time, I think he was almost in industry for 30 years. And they felt more comfortable knowing that I had not only the, the Merrill backing, but also I had his backing. He was supportive of what I was doing. I would say that there were a number of instances whereby not only the clients or the student clients were hesitant to become a client because one, they thought I was too young. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And two, well, what is this young black girl who's from God knows where going to talk to me about? Well, there was a number of instances whereby progressions, just things that I think any person that has spent, especially a woman, has spent any amount of time in corporate America, I encountered on a regular basis as I built my career and over the course of my career, whether I worked in that branch or multiple branches that I encountered that helped shape and helped form how I viewed corporate America to this day. Um, part of that experience has shaped me to, in a way that now I go out of my way to mentor younger women. Some young people that are new to industry, they will get a random LinkedIn invite and a virtual coffee request from me because I know the challenges that they're about to face being in this industry. I know what it's like to be one of the only or to be the only. And some of the things that they will encounter, whether it is they're wearing their hair a certain way or they're the wrong gender. Um, unfortunately, there have been in, on Wall Street, been many instances whereby women were discriminated against. Um, there were, you know, the old boys network, let's go and make deals on the golf course. Let's go make deals, believe it or not, in a strip club. Yeah, this was a thing way back when. And unfortunately, when you're in those environments as a young person and as a woman, you're not always comfortable. And I always say that there have been instances where I wasn't always comfortable speaking up uh, because I was one of the only. And I've learned um, one of the things I stress to young women nowadays is find your voice and find a not just a mentor, but a sponsor. And ideally, someone who will always speak your name when you're not in the room. So think for me, it's your question. Um, there were a number of, of instances whereby there were microaggressions, there were comments made that I had to deal with like most women that are in this environment, I had to learn to just overcome and get through by sheer grit. There were moments and there were days whereby I literally had to say myself, you know what, this may not be the best environment for me because this person does not understand um, not only my background, but also my personality. I tend to be a bit introverted. And not everybody always gets that some of us don't speak for the sake of speaking. And that can be challenging when you're in a room of, let's just say, very, very strong personalities that often tend to speak for the sake of speaking. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable. I I know that listening to this is going to help someone out there, a young woman who is currently working in a male-dominated space. Uh, you're a true trailblazer. I can't imagine what it must have felt like in some of those moments where you just felt alone Ugh, it makes me like a bit emotional hearing all of that because i just know so many women who have been going through this and even though things are changing it's always something different when you actually hear it from a quote-unquote wall street survivor so um yeah no, thank I, you lots of admiration for you and the notion that you're now actually proactively reaching out to more junior women in the space to be like, hey, let me 
let me guide you. I have your back. I know exactly what you're going through right now. I think that is so important and and so powerful. And it's the only way to really create sustainable change, right? Because oftentimes in these male-dominated spaces, there aren't as many visible role models, right? So that can really have a ripple effect on a young woman's confidence and i know a lot of women who also decided nope like look i've served my two years in finance and i'm i'm out of here you know i i have it now on my resume now i can do things in a less toxic environment right but that shouldn't be the standard right women should feel welcome in all professional spaces that they enter there is so much value a woman can bring to a conversation, a woman of color can bring to a conversation, right? There is wealthy people out there that are not always, you know, the stereotypical middle-aged white male, right? We just need more visible representation in these spaces. Um, I could go on and on about this, but um, no. yeah. I think you bring up a very good point. Um, I think if you're young and you're in this space, you're just starting on this space. One, don't give up because thankfully it's gotten a little better in terms of the numbers. There are now more women in this space, especially in the wealth management space. Um, one thing that I will say though, as a former advisor, it was always heartening to me to hear and see women clients come in and say, Oh, I'm so glad that there's a woman here that not only is a woman, but also understands my perspective because we don't face the same challenges as our male counterparts as we get older. So there are certain things that we encounter as women, whether we decide to stay in the workforce or leave the workforce to raise a family, to just take a break and take care of ourselves, our mental health. And as we get older, we live longer than men. So if you're in the space and if you're thinking about leaving the space, one, I beg you, don't, because there's so many different paths you can take and still make a difference. You don't have to do the traditional. Um, I left the traditional warehouse after a number of years, but you don't have to go. Pat. There's so many different avenues and paths you can take to still make a difference. If you are able to reach out to someone and let find out how they can, how you can actually make that transition to something else, but still doing what you love to do. Love that. Very good piece of advice. Because we don't want to just surrender, right? We need to, on one end, obviously, take care of ourselves and, and, and make sure that we don't burn out. At the same time, these spaces need women. These spaces need black women. These sp- spaces need young women. So, Mina, after leaving Wall Street, you became an entrepreneur and have since launched several businesses to help people build generational wealth and make an impact through investing. And you also co-founded Women X Meta, a community that is committed to creating new pathways for women into Web3 through engagement, education, and empowerment. Let me play devil's advocate here. Over the past couple of months, you would probably agree, Web3, Bitcoin, NFTs, uh, the metaverse as a whole, they've all gotten a bit of a bad reputation. Um, and so I know that there's probably a couple of people who are listening to this episode who are now rolling their eyes while listening to this. But there's something that I really want our listeners to understand. And that is, even though Web3 is not mainstream 
ready yet. And there's tons of flaws. You know, there, there, there are scammers out there specifically going after very vulnerable members of, of society. But if Web3, or at least parts of it, such as the blockchain technology, for example, if that is the next frontier of the internet, we absolutely need women to be involved early on so we can help shape the future of what this industry looks like and make it more inclusive towards everyone. Because as a society, we simply don't want to make the same mistakes we made with Web 2.0, which was basically built by white straight men. Um, Mina, curious, what do you tell all the skeptics out there, especially female skeptics, um, to get them to start engaging in this space or at least be curious about it? I think one of the things that I often say to um, people about this space, whether it's blockchain, Web3, um, NFTs, crypto, anything that falls under the umbrella of just this digital asset space, one of the things I always tell people is to start with educating yourself. If you are able to understand some of the basics, all right, there are some fantastic books and communities that you can join to not only read up on the space, but also engage with other people that are also curious about this space. Um, if you are a skeptic, know that having been a financial advisor for a number of years and having been through the cycle of Wall Street, people were skeptical about Wall Street way back when, right? Think about all the things that have all the inventions, all the creations that have happened over the course of history that people have been skeptical about in the beginning. One of the things I always tell women is if we can, you want to be in the room and we can't be in the room if we don't understand some of the basics. And the way to understand the basics is by having conversations with other people or by reading up on some of these topics on your own. There's a fantastic book called The Basics of Blockchain that literally walks you through, is used as a textbook in schools on that you can actually read and learn about the technology behind this whole phenomenon, blockchain, and literally the evolution. Um, there's a fantastic book called uh, Layered Money, and it's the evolution of money just throughout the course of history, going back to way back when, when we were exchanging and bartering, you know, a goat for, for a uh, cloth or something. But it's a fantastic read about the evolution of money. Once you start understanding some of the basics and the fundamentals and the economic, you'll see why that you have to get involved. There is no way that you can sit back and let our counterparts, our male counterparts, lead the conversation. More of us need to be visible so that they understand that they can't dictate the rules. They can't dictate the guidelines that we are going to follow later on. Because if our voices aren't in this space, our voices aren't participating, then the rules are going to exclude us. And we don't want that to happen. That happened with Wall Street and we don't want that to happen in this new frontier. So if you're still skeptical, I will say this, I get the skepticism, especially considering what has happened over the past 12 months, whether it's SPF and FTX, I get it. It's completely understandable. But know that whether this space, the concept of fraud in this space, while you may not like it, know that fraud exists in everything, in every environment that you exist in, whether it's corporates, you know, there are CEOs that are embezzling money left, right, and center. On Wall Street, if you may have heard of uh, the gentleman Madoff and the $65 billion scheme, the Ponzi scheme that he was involved in. So I get that you may be skeptical and you may, you may be hesitant and you may think it's a bad one. I will tell you this, it's not a passive bad. And the way you understand that it's not a passive bad is by actually educating yourself and reading up on the technology behind it and understand why this is literally a game changer. 
um, when it comes to just how we view technology, how we're able to consume and share technology and how we're able to actually engage one another and how some people are able to actually change their lives because they're not allowed to have a bank account and they're able to circumspect some of the rules because they live in a country and they're a woman and they're not allowed to have a bank account. But now they are able to use this digital bank account and really build themselves up. So I implore you, if you're still kept skeptical after the past year, I understand, but I implore you, join a few of these communities that are out there. Um, join some of these spaces, some of these Zoom calls, and understand that, yes, there are some fosters here, but there are some really women-centered communities that you can actually engage with that will help educate you at no cost to you. No, I absolutely love that. And I think to your point, it definitely helps to have a community of of women guide you through this process, like onboarding you, pointing out the important things that you need to be aware of so you can avoid fraud. Because again, there's so much power in community. And that's what I specifically love about Web3. It's really accelerated the community spaces out there, right? Like I think Throughout the pandemic, we've come to realize that we need more community. We need to create more spaces where people can ask questions, be vulnerable with with one another and support one another through the internet and various different technologies. But I've been so positively surprised by how helpful, especially women in the Web3 space are towards other women, like agreeing to jumping on a call with another woman to explain it to them, right? Creating all of these educational resources, like specific onboarding programs, sharing resources, being vocal in Twitter spaces, right? So you can literally listen to to experts in this field at no cost to you. So that's something that I've really admired and just goes to show that there's so much inherent power in women coming together to learn with that more long-term vision of actually making a positive contribution towards shaping a net new industry, making sure women are not left behind. I completely agree. If you're listening and you're still hesitant, join some of these uh, spaces that are out there and just listen in. You don't have to do anything. Just listen in and you'll see the conversations and you'll find that you may think, okay, well, it may be too late for me to even get involved in this space. One, it's not. It's not too late. Because um, you'll find that there are a number of people that are in a very in the same boat as you are, i.e., we're all still learning and teaching one another. Um, and we people are, um, as you said, people are willing to just hop on a call to teach you and say, "Okay, here's here's what the blockchain is. Here's what our NFTs are. Here's what crypto is." And you'll get an understanding in really basic terms that will help you the needle. And they'll provide you with a ton of resources that you can use. And I always tell people, if you can, even five minutes a day will make a world of difference in understanding, not just this space, but just investing, period. It goes a long way to actually helping you move the needle for yourself. No, absolutely. And I think what you just mentioned there about it not being too late yet, I think there's this notion that people have, oh my goodness, I, I'm not I, I'm not one of those early adopters. If you get into the space now or even start educating yourself on this topic, you're still an early adopter. There's people out there incredible women who who just started learning about the space like six months ago and now they give keynote speeches around the world on nfts and the communities that they've built um so it 
it is definitely not too late. Um, let's let's pivot from Web3 because I definitely want to talk more about your work with the Rainmakers Collective. As you know by now, our listeners are are on the younger side. They're young film professionals in their mid-20s to mid-30s for the most part. And while most of them have at this point luckily started investing in the stock market and they contribute to their retirement, the whole topic around alternative investments is fairly new to most of them, I would say. With this podcast, I want them to start thinking about how continuing to build their wealth and eventually becoming an angel investor who supports female and minority fund businesses can have a real sustainable impact. Curious to hear from you, Mina, what was your personal journey in the space like? When did you make your first alternative investment and what helped you take that leap? That's a great question. When we talk about alternative investment with the Rainmakers Collective, so we're discussing a number of different asset classes and the asset classes are real estate, art, collectibles, investing in businesses, i.e. startup or even established businesses, film, theater, or as I like to say, anything that we find interesting, even immersive experiences, which are a huge opportunity here in New York City. As far as my journey, my first alternative investment was actually about a couple of years out of college. Mind you, I didn't grow up knowing about money. My background is very much uh, someone who did not come from money. I was born in Ghana, West Africa, and I grew up in a small village. So the concept of money and the concept of wealth went way beyond anything that I had experienced. A couple of years out of college, I remember I got a call from my best friend and she said, Mina, why did we go buy a house? And I remember looking at her, I was like, me being myself and being completely naive, I said, okay, <laughs> you know, not knowing anything about what it means to actually go through the process of buying real estate. She's like, you should buy a house. I'm going to buy a house. And, you know, we've known each other since we were like 12 years old. So we grew up together. So she said that she wanted to buy a house. In my mind, she and her mom were going to buy a house. I'm like, okay, I'll do it too. Sounds interesting. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I had no savings whatsoever. So um, one of the things I ended up doing, which I do not recommend doing and I advise against it, was actually taking some of my 401k. And at that time, I literally only put in money in a 401k because my father instructed me to just contribute something. I didn't know what the heck a 401k was. I didn't know what I was doing, but I contributed something because if I didn't, my father would never stop nagging me to do something, to contribute. So I did. And that's literally what allowed me to go ahead and buy my first property. And I bought that property at the instruction of my best friend and her mom, who are literally like my second family. And I bought it not knowing what I was getting myself into, what the process entailed. She bought a house, I bought a house, and our houses were 10 minutes driving a distance apart. Funny, I remember literally going through the process and I didn't tell my my mom and dad, one of my good friends at the time, she, she used to just like, you know, you know, most kids run behind their parents back and do jobs. You run around town and you make sound investments. What's wrong with you? And I remember thinking, is that what, what I'm doing? Cause I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I didn't even know that real estate was something that you should invest in. I just knew that my best friend and her mom were recommending. So I'm, it must have been a good idea. And I, I bought the house sight unseen. They did the tour and everything. Cause I couldn't even uh, do the tour cause I was working it. And at that time, houses were going just like that, like that. And I bought the house site and see, they, they did everything I either for and I trusted them enough to actually say, okay, you know what? I'll go ahead and put it in an offer. And I put in the offer and got it. And that was my first foray into the alternative investment space. And I knew even just after a year or so of owning that property, equity 
i.e. what that investment turned into, that literally lit a spark of thought, there's something to this. And a few years later, I ended up doing my first angel investment. And the reason that I got into that space was because I had gone through the process of trying to fundraise myself for my first business. And I knew the challenges that I encountered, the process of just speaking to people and trying to help them understand that, hey, this is a worthwhile opportunity. I think you should invest in it. And I knew the challenges that not only women have faced, but also Black women face. And I said, you know what? I want to make a difference. In my mind, I always saw it as a win-win. Oh, I'm going to give you money and it's going to help you grow your business and I'm going to make money. That's a win-win for everyone. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I take out advantage of that? That was really what the impetus for me to start angel investing was because it was an opportunity. I just saw the return, right? It's not, okay, I'm going to invest in every investment. It's going to be a unicorn and be a billion dollar company. But well, if there's a potential for me to help another woman do something good and help them realize their dream, and then there's a potential for me to get a return, why wouldn't I do that? That has been my journey. It was really one by accident with the real estate and two, having gone through the process of trying to fundraise on my own and going through and being selected to pitch at an event with angel investors and seeing how frustrating the process was. I wanted to be at least on the other side. Okay, you know, if I can support another woman's dream, why wouldn't I? I love that. Be the change you want to see in the world. What I also love is that there is an increasing number of these private communities of women investors because we just need it in this white man-made world. But Mina, yours is the first one that I've come across that has that specific focus on theater, film, and collectibles in addition to the more for lack of a better term, traditional alternative investments. Can you elaborate on why your investment approach is so unique and the, the reasoning behind it? I like to say it's our investment philosophy. And before I actually came up with the name Remy Perspective, I was going to call the company, don't laugh, the company Women Love Deals. And the reason I was going to call it Women Love Deals, I literally was going to be Women Love Deals and I don't mean couponing. The reason I was going to call it because Oftentimes, there are deals and opportunities in closed rooms that we aren't invited to, right? We women, unfortunately, there are often deals, I mentioned earlier, on the golf courses that we just aren't necessarily always invited to, but even are invited to participate at all or be in the room. So the reason I wanted us to focus on these alternative investments is because there's this concept that I came up with a few years back called layered wall. But the idea is that layered wealth is you start with your traditional investments, right? You start with obviously your cash flow, make sure that you have your foundation set and then you do your traditional investment, i.e. investing in a stock market, whether it's investing in mutual funds, ETS, individual stocks, right? And then from there, you actually add in some alternative, whether it's crypto, whether it's real estate, whether it's art collectibles. I feel like in my mind, every woman should have a portfolio that is diversified in that way. Meaning that we're not just limiting ourselves to the stock market. We're not just limiting ourselves to real estate. We actually have a very fully diversified portfolio because one thing that I think most of us don't realize is there are some of these opportunities, whether it is being able to invest in catalog. If you paid attention to the entertainment world, the number of musicians are selling their catalog in the Friday center. What if you can actually own a piece of that, right? Imagine being able to own a piece of Beatles, right? And getting a return. What if you are able to own this rare book, a piece of this rare book, and actually being able to own it and not only own it, but also pass it down, right? And because one of our missions is not just creating wealth, but also less. 
and building upon that legacy for not just ourselves, but for the causes that we believe in, but also for our children, if you have children. Right. Our mission really is to bring in these alternative investments and then to spark the conversation and to make deals and have us participate as a collective in these opportunities because the more we participate as a collective, the more opportunities that open up to us. So whether you have $5 or a million dollars to invest, imagine if we all combined our resources. Imagine the world that opens up to us. About a couple of weeks ago, one of the big art companies did a private breakfast for us and a private tour of their gallery. And one of the things that I enjoyed and I loved so much was seeing, they did a presentation about investing in art for our community and just seeing the spark go off. It's always amazing to see the spark go off when they were talking about not just the return that you can have when investing in art, but the history of investing in art and how it correlates to other asset classes, whether it's stock market, whether it's real estate, and how the returns correlate with one another. The reason we pick some of these alternative investments is because it's not correlated to the market. Because if the stock market is going down, well, imagine that you have a piece of art here, you're invested in this piece of art here, and you're not part of the 1%. You don't need to be part of the 1%. You can take a small amount of money and we as a collective invest in that piece of art together. And we can actually make sure that our portfolios stand the test of the market, i.e. the market's going haywire. I'm okay because I have real estate here. I have collectibles here. I have sports memorable here. I have rare books here. I have all of these other assets that are still growing at a nice uh, at a nice pace. And yes, I have my market investment, but I also know I have all these other things that when the market goes haywire, I'm okay. You know, I'm not panicking. I'm not waking up at 3 a.m. with heart palpitations because the market's down. 600 points or whatever. So the reason that we chose this particular niche is because our main goal is for you to diversify and most importantly, for you to be in the rooms that deals are happening so that you can actually participate in the conversation and take advantage and understand that you don't have to limit yourself. You can create a really nice diversified portfolio and take advantage of some of these opportunities that are out there. That's really, really cool. And I think for... The examples of art, theater, film, you oftentimes can also create a more emotional connection to those more tangible pieces than, let's say, oh, I just bought 10 shares in company XY, right? You're the history behind investing in, in art for specific people that can be super, super exciting and no it doesn't mean that you need to be able to write seven eight figure checks in order to i don't know purchase a a, a warhol right right but you can you can get started with probably just a low four figure sum and i think that's just so so cool and you're able to build a completely different connection to not only the community but also the investment itself which is very different from the more transactional stereotypical investment that you make on 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 a brokerage account right like fidelity or or whatever it might be so something you pointed out i really i want to just focus on which is tangible it used to be you'd get like actual stock certificate you don't get the stock certificates anymore right and you just buy it and you see it in your brokerage statement and okay i own it now another reason i really wanted to focus on also on this alternative investment space in addition to being able to invest in women-led companies like entrepreneurs 
can also invest in a woman artist for art. A few weeks ago, we had a call with a new musical that's about to come out. And it was an all-woman team for a musical. And being able to have conversations with the director, the star, and just the producers. And it was all women. And seeing, oh my goodness, we can invest in this opportunity. And it's one of the few all-women team on Broadway. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Why wouldn't you support another woman in that way? I think that's something that I think most people don't realize that while we're talking about investing, angel investing, to me, this is all angel investing. It doesn't necessarily just mean investing in these startups and some of these established businesses that are women-led, but it's also investing in artists that are, you know, women artists, investing in musicals that are all women. I think there's something to be said about being able to walk through a gallery and seeing this piece of art that's actually, you see it, it's right there in front of you. And oh my goodness, you have a meeting with the artist who's a woman, you know? So I think there's something, um, there's something to be said about that feeling, that being able to make that kind of investment and being able to have those types of conversations, not just within a community, but also with the investment opportunity. If you decide to go invest in a company like Amazon and Google, you can't call up Jeff Bezos and have a conversation with him and say, okay, so what should I do? You know, but if you know what, if you are investing in this startup or in this artist or in this musical, you may be able to have a conversation with the producer or, you know, the team that to me goes a long way. 100%. I just got the chills because uh, the way you put it, I'd never thought of it from 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 that perspective, like being able to actually talk to the artists or the producer or director of a musical that that adds such an important human aspect to that transaction. And it's probably so much more rewarding than to your point investing in Amazon or 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 Google, right? I really, really love that because you can have an actual conversation with someone else and they can share their vision with you. You might even be able to have some sort of an input on like, I know the creative direction of a musical or a movie, right? Or, you know, learn about a female artist's next collection that she is working on at this moment in time, right? I think that's, that's really, really powerful and makes you be even more invested and that in and of itself like obviously we want to have a financial return on our investment that's the ultimate goal but being able to create these relationships and create these special moments ahead of an actual financial return that is already a return on your investment and you never know maybe the financial investment doesn't work out but maybe you've made a really valuable new connection to someone in that space that person can then connect you to someone else in that space and that opens up new opportunities for investments right and then maybe you know investment a didn't work out but maybe b c and d which were all a result of meeting person a they end up working out and so it's just this this really virtuous cycle that that you build as a result of that you know bring up such a good point which is you know, when you're investing, I often say when you're investing as an angel investor in startups or businesses, you're investing in the team, right? So even if this particular investment doesn't work out, they may have other ideas and other opportunities for you to invest. And I like to take the same approach to some of these other aspects. Well, you know what? This musical doesn't work out. I have that relationship with the producer. So going forward, they may have other opportunities for us to invest at the collective. 
and for us to take advantage of. And they may hear about another opportunity. They may want to introduce us to. It's really about relationships if you think about it. And there's a study that says that women are better investors, whether I don't think people realize that we're actually better investors than our male counterpart. And what that is, is because we really believe in relationship, right? And this is why I think being able to look into the alternative investment space is so important because a lot of it is relationship oriented and relationship based and being able to take advantage of these opportunities. You mentioned that, you know, in creative saying the musical, you know, one of the things about investing in Broadway is there's a potential to win a, a Tony. People just don't realize what all is available to them. But that's why we built this collective is so that we educate as well as also we obviously take advantage of some of the opportunities, but most importantly, learn together and we ask questions together. Because, you know, I'm not an expert in big investing in Broadway, but I'll connect you to the experts, the producers that have been doing this for years that are getting some handsome rewards and getting some returns. If you can, I would say take it, just take a dive, take a dip into the pool. And then, you know what? Um, start having conversations with those that are also interested in you. You'd be amazed at how far you get. 1000%. Love that. Um, I know we're coming up on time, but I still have two questions for you, Mina, because I want you to also give you the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the Rainmakers Collective and what it actually is that you're offering, because I know that you have different membership tiers and based on the respective tier, membership includes access to obviously the community as a whole, but also one-on-one introductions to maybe one of the producers, for example, master classes, VC and angel group directories, in-person events, such as you know visiting an art gallery, for example, and more. Can you talk a little bit more about what onboarding into your community looks like and how members can make the most out of their Rainmakers collective membership? Absolutely. So the first thing you have to do is you visit our website and you inquire about membership. Once you essentially fill out some information about yourself, we review your application to one, make sure that it is a good fit, not just for us, but also for you. Make sure that you're really thinking about this the right way. And you don't have to have experience with investing in alternative investments to be a member of the community. So I want to point that out first. Once the application is reviewed, um, we really invite you to have a conversation with the team. Um, we call it an interview, but it's just a conversation to learn a little bit more about you, what your interests are, because we do have a number of different categories of asset classes that we often look at. So for example, in June, our masterclass speaker, she's talking to us about philanthropic giving and how we can give strategically, right? We want to know what topics are of interest to you so that we actually can provide programming that actually aligns with whatever your interests are. And once you've gone through the interview process, if everything aligns properly, then we invite you to join the community. And the community is literally, we get together once a month, either through the masterclass speaker, talking to us about investing in art, talking to us about philanthropic giving or how to negotiate deals. Our September speaker is, she's going to talk to us about negotiating contracts. Every woman absolutely needs to know whether it's a big negotiating contract at work or negotiating your business deals, whatever that may be. And once you are part of our community, you get an opportunity to attend our dinners, our breakfast, really engage with other members and learn about a particular topic. And the topic can be any of those things that I just described, along with a few other topics that we're actually looking at. For example, investing in wine. And those people, they may consume wine here and there, but they've never actually considered investing. You're looking at it through the lens of an investor. So our onboarding process is really more so aimed at learning more about who you are and 
what your interests are and what, most important, how we can support you as you build your diverse portfolio. Because we like to think of ourselves as a wealth think tank, i.e. we're going to bounce off ideas together. You know what? I came across this opportunity, concert, investor in a concert. What do you guys think? Well, let's, let's talk, have a meeting. Let's talk about it. What does that mean? Who's, who's the person? Who are, who's your sponsor? Just things that most of us don't even know exist. Our goal is to educate and bring on experts to help us understand what it means to actually invest in these spaces. And if you decide to invest in an opportunity, you can either choose to do it on your own by yourself, or we can go in and create what's called the SPV to invest as a collective. I think it's fantastic that you also create and hold the space for joint ideation where everyone can provide some input. Maybe someone has connections to, to someone in that space, the entertainment space. So you could potentially start investing in concerts, right? I think that's really incredible and bringing in external speakers and experts that can talk about a very specific topic that you might not know a lot about, but you're interested in. Um, Mina, I don't only like to always start out with the same question, but I also like to close with the same question for each of my guests. If I gave you a million dollars today to invest in either a company or a cause that would benefit women, where would you invest that? Being me, I would diversify. I would actually invest a portion of it in women-led startups. I would invest a portion of it in Series A, meaning more established women-led companies. And I would invest a portion of it in women-led community. And what I mean by women-led communities, there are a number of communities, especially in the white world, down that are very much focused on women. So I would put a portion of that money there because some of these DAOs that are out there, some of these women-led communities, they're really doing something amazing to change the narrative and change women's futures, i.e. whether it's, okay, we're creating this community in an actual city that has resources for women or creating this fund that is focused strictly on the care economy, i.e. focused on investing in companies that provide care-related services to women, whether it is prenatal care or elderly care, right? Going back to my, literally my model, like, which is diversified, I would literally segment it off into various opportunities whether it is the DAO, the startups, the established companies, as well as also even the alt-based musicals that are all on women. Artists, the up-and-coming artists that may not necessarily have the resources, they can't be showcased as Sotheby's or Christie's. But you know what? We can invest in them and help them essentially realize their dreams. What an A-plus answer. <laughs> thank you so much, Mina. This has been such an incredible conversation. And thank you so much for for being a trailblazer in the space, for paying it forward to other women. It's so needed. Thank you for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. And if you're a woman and you're listening, it's okay to be afraid. What I will say, though, is not okay to wait. Just take a step, have a conversation. It'll be okay. We're all here to support one another. And my motto is when one rises, we all rise. So let's all rise together. Hey there, not so fast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened in from today. Reviews are a podcaster's most important currency. It helps me create visibility for the incredible women who join me on this show. 
And if you've made it this far, I'd like to believe that supporting women is one of your favorite pastimes. If you already left a review, first of all, thank you, but why not share this episode with a friend or post it to your Instagram story? Thank you for helping me on my mission to make women rich by making women rich.